You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, welcome to the Big Blue Big Board Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how you doing today? No, not too, too bad. Yeah, we're, we're getting close to the draft. We can stop talking about it in, oh, about a week. We are getting very close, under a week until round one. And within a week, this, this draft will be completely over. And everything we have built up for the past, like, six months, we've been we've been doing draft podcasts. And, and all of that will just be over. And the draft will have happened, and the Giants will have players. So we are going to today talk about some... <laughs> Some strategies the Giants could use in day three, where they have a lot of picks. I think a lot of what we've talked about mostly has been what they're going to do in you know the the first round and and the first two rounds, really, because that's where just most of the focus is with the really good players. We're going to focus on some day three strategies in a little bit, uh, but first we're going to just do a roundup of some things that have happened over the past you know, week or so uh, that we haven't really discussed, and we're just going to do some quick hits on them. The first thing is Sterling Shepard's contract extension. We briefly touched on it. We wanted to wait to talk about it until the actual contract details were out and we had kind of the year-by-year breakdown. Those finally came out. So Shepard signed to a four-year, $41 million extension. 21.26 of that is guaranteed. There's a $10.25 million signing bonus. Now, in terms of 2019, which is going to be the last year of his rookie deal, the only money added is the prorated portion of that signing bonus. So he will only count $3.39 million on the cap for 2019, which is good because the Giants did not have a lot of cap space to work with in 2019, but they have a lot more going forward. So this contract is a clear four-year extension. It goes through 2023, and in that time, his cap hit goes $8.5 million, $9 million, $10.5 million to $11.5 million. So it's a very gradual increase every year. Even though there is you know, $21 million guaranteed, that mostly just comes in the first two years. And as soon as 2020, the Giants could technically get out of that contract and just say maybe a trade comes a year after signing an extension. I don't know why that would be an option, you know, maybe if that comes up sometime. But the Giants are already in the green if that happens for the 2020 season. Just in terms of this extension even happening is is kind of a surprise. Yeah, the, the Giants just do not extend players before their rookie deal is up they just don't do it i i honestly can't remember the last uh, maybe maybe it was eli well technically will beady and odell beckham but to get a deal like this done this far in advance they just don't do it 
No, and it's it's a good strategy that more teams should use. You see, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles is consistently re-signing their guys before uh, they need to or before they're about to hit the market that usually gets them a below market deal and it works out in the long term. That was part of the Landon Collins discussion where if a contract extension could have been made before he was about to hit the market, he probably could have been had for below that franchise tag price and well below what he signed for in Washington. Uh, but Shepard is on a pretty good deal, especially considering what wide receivers signed for this offseason? You, know, you had like Terrell Williams, who went for like $11 million a year. You had Devin Funches, who went for $10 million for one year. You had other guys like Adam Humphreys, were around, you know, the nine and a half. And the receivers around Sterling Shepard's quality. And now when you consider that he's probably going to be at least somewhat of the number one receiver for this team in 2019 where the targets are going to go up and the volume stats are going to increase and the yards and probably the touchdowns you would think as those increase but all of those numbers are going to increase as he gets a larger role so he's probably only going to get more expensive so it is a pretty good deal to get him at the price they did right now the crazy thing I just think in, in general is how much the Giants have committed to wide receiver. They have now like, I think, two of the top 15 highest guarantees to wide receivers in Shepard and Tate. So I'm, I'm not totally sure if the passing game is good enough to equal that. But I do like the Shepard deal. I like Shepard as a player. I do think he can continue to grow in the role they are expecting of him. And we have talked in the past about how his transition to the outside in the four games without Odell Beckham at the end of last year was not super smooth, but with a full offseason and a training camp and a preseason to actually prepare and have him ready for that role, I think should be good. Yeah, you know, I do believe the Giants think he can play on the outside. And a couple weeks ago when we talked to Matt Harmon, he said he does, Shepard does have the skill set to do that. And I think he can grow and improve out there you know he might not be antonio brown or steve smith senior but he probably could be that kind of player as a as an undersized guy but very strong very physical and able to use his route running and that physicality to create separation against you know bigger outside corners and just circling back to shepherd's contract for a second i'd like to say just kudos to kevin abrams on it because, as you said, the cap hit does increase over the life of the contract, but it is very gradual, and it is much less than the 10-12% that the NFL salary cap goes up by year. So this contract will actually get cheaper and more affordable as it goes. And at least in the short term, Shepard is actually going to be less expensive than Golden Tate, at least until, assuming they're both there, the about the... 2022 season yeah and by that time that's when pretty much all of the the guaranteed money for for tate is gone which is in pretty much the first two years so you know he'll be the 34 by that 
uh, season. So I'm going to say Golden Tate probably does not see the end of his Giants contract. But it's the Giants will probably have evolved at receiver at some point by then. We want to just briefly touch on something else that, that happened this week. The 2019 NFL schedule came out. People get excited when this schedule comes out. I think it is kind of just overrated looking at it. I mean, a lot of people like to go game by game and figure out whether there's wins or losses. That's not really a, a great exercise right now. But I think one of the important things to look at in this scheduling is, you know, it Playing teams that come off buys and elongated road trips, I think, are, are really the two big ones. And the Giants don't really have a lot of that. I know the NFL used a little more analytics this year. Uh, there was a story by uh, Kevin Seifert at ESPN about how they really made a, a more data-driven approach to kind of try to even out the schedule. So when you look at the Giants schedule, I think one of the big things is they do not go on a road trip two weeks in a row on this schedule, which that's a great break for this. The only two road games they have in a row, there's a buy in between. And one of those road games is at the Jets <laughs> week 10. So they're staying at MetLife. They go at Jets uh, in week 10, then a buy, then at Chicago. And then every other week alternates home and away. So I think that works out pretty well for them. It really does. You know, this is not going by the strength of schedule, but it's a less grueling schedule than they had really the last two years where they were constantly going on extended road trips. They were at a serious rest disadvantage compared to pretty much the rest of the league. They were constantly facing teams coming off either post-Thursday night mini-buy or actual bye weeks. So this schedule is a lot more favorable for them than previous ones, although could we please find some way to hack the system, enter some new data, I don't know, to have them not open up in Dallas again? This is like the fifth time in six years they've done it. That's just, that's definitely getting old. Yeah, the NFL loves that matchup, and it's the late afternoon. One positive thing about that is we can, we can watch the early games as before that comes, and kind of like when I get to do that on an afternoon. But part of going into one of the other you know, details of this, the Giants only face one team coming off a bye, and that is the Monday night Dallas game. So the Giants even with that get, it's the Monday night Dallas game in week nine. So, but even with that, the Giants get an extra day of rest. And so Dallas has their bye in week eight, then face the Giants at MetLife in week nine. And they only face one team coming off a Thursday night game. So that's an extra like three days of rest. And that is Tampa Bay in week three. They play Carolina on a Thursday night the previous week. So only two teams with uh, elongated rest. And in one of them, the Giants also get uh, an extra day of rest. So really uh, not that bad. And by strength of schedule, looking at whether you use uh, efficiency or point differential, uh, things like that, please do not use previous year's wins when you are trying to you know, come up with, with strength of schedule for the current season. Do not use the previous year's wins. They, they don't correlate. That's one of the worst ways to, to do it. So please, if you see that use as strength of schedule, ignore it. Please don't do it yourself. There are multiple better ways to do that. We'll probably uh, break that down a little bit on the website at some point. So the third thing we want to hit in the first half of this episode is 
Dave Gettleman, he talked to the press again in a pre-draft press conference. All teams are basically, I think, forced to do this by the NFL. I'm not totally sure why no one ever you know, gives away what they're doing, but I think there are a few takeaways we could have from this. We're going to briefly talk about this because you've probably already listened to Ed break down all of this. He was there, so he gave, he'll he had a more detailed breakdown. I think there were a few takeaways for me. I think clearly he's going defense at number six. Uh, he continually uh, talked about that, how at the, the top of the draft, it was it was big on defense. So I, I think it's very clear he's going defense six. I think 17 is still open for a quarterback, but I'm still not sold they're going to go there. I But I also wouldn't be surprised if they trade up from 17. I think that's more likely. And one other thing I think I'm, I'm pretty sure of is that he's trading up or wants to better Badly, whether he'll be able to pull it off or not, I'm sure he's going to try very hard. Is he's going to try to trade up from pick 95 in the third round? Someone at the press conference asked him if it was going to be hard to pick at 37 in the second round, not pick again until 95, and see almost 60 players come off the board in that span. And Gettleman kind of smirked and said, yeah, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be fun. So I would fully expect if there's one place they trade up from, it's probably going to be 95 or trade back into the third round and maybe use uh, some of those, some of those late round picks. Those were my main takeaways because he's always going to be just kind of skipping around answers uh, because it's like a week before the draft. He's not going to give very detailed answers about what the Giants are really thinking. So those were my main takeaways from what he said. Yeah, you know, the, that quote about moving up, he's like, look at my history. I've, I've traded up a number of times. We're going to do what we need to. Yeah, he's going to trade up. Yeah, We have heard reports that last year he really wanted to trade up back into the second round to select Lorenzo Carter. Which, you know, he he lucked out there, and just got him at the top of the third round, and didn't have to give up anything extra for him. But I don't think he'll be able to sit and watch almost two rounds worth of players go before he gets to pick again. No, I'm not expecting that at all. I'm I'm very much expecting some type of trade in the third round. So oh, before we talk about what's going to happen in the third round and beyond, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about what the Giants could possibly do on day three. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, 
So we're back. So day three is something we are going to talk about now because it's a really interesting place for the Giants. Right now, they have eight picks from the fourth to the seventh round. That is a lot of picks. You know, you can think it possibly too many picks at that point. I think one other the thing Gettleman did say in the press conference that I think makes it seem clear he's going to also use those picks to maybe maneuver around a little bit is you don't want to pick guys you ultimately think you're going to cut. And if you are picking two, three guys in, in the seventh round, you know, those are, those are probably guys who are already coming in on the roster bubble just because, just because of numbers. But the Giants right now have two fourth round picks, three fifth round picks, a sixth round pick, and two seventh round picks. So there's a lot they could do with those picks. One option that I would be in favor of, and I'm almost certain they're not going to do, is is trading those picks for veteran players. We've discussed this uh, a few times. I think it's still one of the biggest market efficiencies in the NFL when you can trade a fifth or sixth round pick for uh, a decent veteran that you know is already able to produce at the NFL level and get a better player for a pick that would not grant that type of player, but I don't really see that as the option. One of the other things we're probably going to see is Dave Gettleman move around quite a bit. The Giants are not going to pick 12 times. I can say that with almost 100% certainty. They are not going to make 12 picks in this draft. I think I'm torn between the, the thought that no one person or one team drafts better than everyone else. Basically, if, if you just put all of these picks into a, a big enough sample, everyone kind of reverts to a mean. The Giants last year got a, you know, a decent amount of starters and, and quality role players, but that doesn't mean they're going to be able to replicate that this year. The draft is widely referred to as a crapshoot. Basically, every study that has ever come out shows teams are not better at drafting than other teams. And having a good draft last year does not guarantee the person in charge is going to have a good draft this year. So I am stuck between wanting to take as many possible dart throws uh, with these late round picks, but also using them to get multiple picks in you know, the third and fourth rounds, or like top 100 picks, if you can, where you're most likely to get those contributors and role players. Because if you look at a lot of the trade value charts, and and at least the modern ones, there is a pretty big cliff, like once you get past pick 100, of of whether those guys usually turn into quality players or not. Yeah, you know, just roughly speaking, you've got about a two-thirds chance, about somewhere between 60 and 70% chance of getting a contributor, a player who is going to be a major contributor sometime in his rookie contract in the first round. That goes down to about uh, somewhere between a 30 and 40% chance on the second day in rounds two and three. And then from there, it drops to about 10% or less in the fourth round, which is when you get out of the top 100. So that's why trading for veteran players, trading those late round picks for veteran players, it's such a great strategy because you're taking what is basically a a lottery ticket and turning it in for guaranteed money. There's the joke that the lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math, and 
this kind of works the same way. It's always better to be the person selling the lottery ticket than the one scratching it off, or at least more consistently good. So yeah, I would absolutely be in favor of that strategy as well. But as you say, getting more dart throws, more bites at the apples, you know, occasionally you will find those guys who just slip through the cracks, you know, like Ahmad Bradshaw or Kevin Boss. There are players who just for whatever reason, you know, maybe injury, maybe they didn't get the best coaching college level. Just for some reason, they slip through the cracks. If you get a bunch of tries, maybe you can find one. But that is a lot of swings. And odds are you're going to be cutting a lot of those players that you drafted. One of the areas, and part of it is because of volume, where you do get one of the highest hit rates is actually with undrafted free agency. And part of that is teams have a tendency to kind of reach for players who have one special thing about them in the later rounds either they they might not have great tape but they've got great size or they ran really fast or you know just something they'll reach for just one special trait and hope that their coaches can develop that trait whereas in undrafted free agency then they kind of they have a tendency to go to more towards the the try hard players the guys who might not be you know, really special or have those really eye-catching traits, you know, like Victor Cruz, he was only about a four or five second 40 player, but he did have great route running. He had, before his injury, an incredibly explosive lower body, and he just had that chemistry with Eli. So the other strategy he could do is just use the, some of those late round picks, especially like the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders as at basically a guaranteed advance undrafted free agency. Yeah, I mean, undrafted free agency is a very you know, underrated part of the draft. And I think you hear a lot about teams who are you know, drafting in the sixth or seventh round. They're already putting their UDFA boards together. Well, one of the Giants' better rookies last year was an undrafted free agent in Grant Haley, who probably shouldn't have been undrafted. I'm still not totally sure why he was, but the Giants did make a big effort to go there. So yeah, you can, you can think about that. I think one of the, the things I, you know, trying to think of, of, of how to use this strategy is because the Giants do have so many picks on day three. It is, you know, they, they can use some of that capital to move up. And as you said, kind of the lottery and, and trying to, you know, think that you can have that success. I think one of one of the biggest flaws in in any really drafting general manager is having a a false sense that you are better than the system and you are more likely to hit uh, on on those dart throws, which just the history has shown that is really not the case for anyone. So, and I think that's part of what has been one of Gettleman's flaws in the past is he has traded up with not a lot of draft capital. So he'll routinely have, you know, five picks, six picks in the draft because he does trade up. I think one of the good things is he does have 12 picks in this draft. So he can potentially use those picks to trade up and still have a decent amount of dart throws. So he's not going to limit the amount of throws he has at the board, which I think is 
is going to be a positive. It still kind of lets Gettleman be Gettleman, but also allows for multiple throws. Like, Gettleman kind of... It strikes me as a guy who would rather be like 5 of 6 in the draft than 6 of 10. In the 5 of 6 scenario, he has a, a much better hit percentage, but in the 6 of 10... You know, you get more hits. You get more players. Yeah, you get more hits. I kind of feel like Gettleman is like the, the five of six guy, and that's kind of what his track record has been. So I think with these 12 picks, he does have a little more maneuverability there. And I think one of the biggest question marks here is how I would view a lot of what they're going to do, even starting with day two, is whether they come out of day one with a quarterback or if they come out of the 37th pick with a quarterback. And if they don't, I think you have to start using this draft capital to try to get some future capital because you know you're probably going to have to have some of that next year and start thinking about how you're going to get that quarterback in 2020. And I think that's going to be a big part of how that draft shakes out. If they pass on the quarterback, they need to start figuring out now how they can put themselves in a position to get a quarterback in 2020. Yeah, definitely. And they would have to figure out how they could put themselves into a position where they could be have a high degree of certainty of getting that quarterback because, as we saw this year, just because a quarterback is eligible to come out does not mean that they will. I have a feeling that we would have had a ton of mock drafts by now featuring Justin Herbert if he had declared. Yeah, He was pretty much the perfect Gettleman quarterback, at least, you know, from what we know from his trends at other positions, you know, he's big, he's athletic, he has a strong arm, he, and he was also accurate, at least reasonably accurate, but he went back to school. It, there is no guarantee that Tua Tagovailoa or Jake Fromm will be in the draft next year. We know Herbert will be because he'll have used up all of his eligibility, but after that, there's not a whole lot of guarantees about quality quarterbacking prospects. So the Giants would have to either secure enough future draft capital that they could move up to secure Herbert or get the right first-round pick, put themselves in position to get the first-round pick of a team that is likely going to be drafting first overall and basically back into it. Yeah, and I think the Giants are going to have to be careful with not dipping into the 2020 picks if they're going to move up in the second round, especially if it's not for a quarterback. If you're using a future pick for not a quarterback, you are completely doing it wrong, no matter what round you are doing it in. I kind of want to pump the brakes on using a 2020 pick for a quarterback, especially if it's from moving up from 17, which is highly possible. And Gettleman in his press conference said he didn't want to take away 2019 picks last year because even though they only had, you know, six picks, five picks or however many picks they had, he didn't want to dip into 2019. But in his press conference, he seems to keep the idea open that he would think about dipping into 2020 if the right offer was there. And I would very much advise against that. But as much as we want to talk about day three strategy, it, it, day one and day two is going to inform what they do there a lot. I think I am more open to using those picks to trade up if you are 
you know, getting into the top 100 if you can. And that, that might be, you know, kind of tough because I would be okay with maybe using the two fourths to trade back into the third or a, or a fourth and a fifth uh, because it's 109, 133, and 143 uh, are the picks in, in those rounds. Uh, if you use those to get an additional third, I think I'm okay with that because you know, you'd still have either multiple fourths or multiple fifths, uh, and you still have those dart throws. I don't want to completely deplete uh, the amount of picks you have on day three, but I think I, because they have so many, I am more likely to be okay with trying to trade back up into the third round, maybe packaging one of those fourth and fifths, maybe something like that, and because you still have those extra dart throws. So I think that does end up being okay for the Giants when in typical drafts, when Gettleman would do something like this, and he did this in Carolina often also, he did these moves without still having those dart throws at the end of the draft. And I would still like to keep probably as many of those as you can, just so you can have that volume. The more dart throws you have, the more likely you are to come out with a player of some substance. Yeah, and typically speaking, moving up is less efficient than moving down. You're you're just not going to get the same value trading up for a player as you are trading down, unless you happen to be trading up for a franchise quarterback. They have their own set of rules. However, the Giants do have the draft capital to burn. They can afford, really, to move up and be inefficient and maybe waste some draft capital, so to speak, if it means getting a player that is less likely to be cut, more likely to contribute. Yeah, if you're you're getting rid of a, a fourth and fifth, but you still have a fourth and two fifths, I, you're doing okay. That is much better than trading a fourth and a fifth and then not having a fourth and a fifth. So I think the Giants do find themselves with a little wiggle room, which is good for a general manager like Dave Gettleman, who is way more likely to trade up than he is trade down, which he has still never done in his career as a general manager. Um, And usually that's where the value is. I highly doubt the Giants are going to trade down at any point because they already have picks. I would say try to trade down and get 2020 picks instead of more 2019 picks. I think that would probably be a good strategy. But considering how much Gettleman has praised the depth of this draft. I don't think, even though there is depth, I still don't think he wants to trade down. I think that makes him more likely to want to take the best player that he has on his board at whatever pick he has. Yeah, I don't think trading down is really even on the... I doubt that's even on his radar. That's just not one of the things he has ever done. So, you know, Actually, in the first round, the 17th overall pick, that could be a place where the Giants could trade down, especially if they are not looking for a quarterback this year, if they are really not sold on any of them. They could use that to trade down and pick up maybe some future capital or maybe some more of those second and third round picks. But I am... I would I would be surprised if that happened. Yeah, that would be you know, the best place to do it, but I don't see that as the option. I see it 
more likely they trade up from 17 than they trade back. And I think one other thing the the Giants can do with these picks, and it's something I did in the seven-round mock I put up at Big Blue View. We're not totally going to... We're not going to go into that in detail right now, but one thing I did suggest the Giants do is you know, double up on on positions. If you skip out on you know edge at you know six or seventeen, which I don't think they are likely to do, but I did it in this mock, and then I took edge in you know the second and third and seventh rounds. So giving yourselves not only multiple shots at the players who can work out, but multiple shots at positions. And I think you know having two good rotational pieces at a certain position is possibly better than having one you know average the player or even slightly above average player so it's doubling up on positions is is something i I would say would also be a a good a good strategy in these later rounds yeah especially if it's a high leverage position like edge or one of the secondary positions or you know wide receiver where you need you don't just need one guy you need multiple guys and Right now, the Giants have serious depth questions at those positions. Well, they have serious depth questions at a lot of positions, but especially at the high leverage positions, which is really a major concern for the team. And on defense, they want to be a team that just sends waves of pass rushers and sends very aggressive blitzes. And you need guys who can do that. And right now, they're kind of short on them. Yeah, it's certainly a strategy uh, they should use uh, maybe from the first round on. If you take a first round edge, do not be afraid of taking a second or third round edge. I mean, Gettleman has talked about how he wants a rotation on that defensive line. Um, no, no team has ever complained about having too many edge rushers or too many corners. And those are positions where you can have as many good players as you can possibly get on the roster. So especially those two positions, I, I would... Uh, not be opposed to the doubling up. And there are there are just a lot of ways the Giants could attack this draft. They they are you know just one of the teams that kind of controls how this draft is going to go between having two first round picks, having 12 picks overall. They are very much in control of what can happen uh, in this draft, whether they go quarterback or not. There's there just a lot of ways the Giants impact this draft, and we are very close to figuring out what they are going to do when that happens. Draft less than a week away. But we are going to end this episode here. We're going to be back next week. We're going to do some positional breakdowns. Chris and I are going to, I think, compare positional top tens, see where we are the same, where we differ, um, and maybe we'll we'll get into some actual arguments of players we like that the other person doesn't. I don't know. We'll see. So you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review if you have not. Those help us out greatly. If you could leave a positive review, even better. Um, <laughs> you can follow our work on Big Blue View. Dot com. You can follow Big Blue View on Twitter at Big Blue View. You follow Big Blue View on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. You follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You follow Chris on Twitter at Raptor MKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. 
and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.